Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. I want to start off today by talking a little bit about the voices in our heads. Yeah. In fact, I think I'm going to do something they usually warn ministers not to do by telling you things that are going on in my head before they've been resolved. So many of you know that I had a a lovely trip to the British Isles this last year, and part of it was a writer's retreat in Wales, which was fabulous. And uh, about a month upon returning, there came this little package in the mail. And in there were a couple brochures. One was an invitation to apply to be a writer in residence there. And the other one was to be a a pastor in residence there. They have a little chapel there. And apparently every month they take turns uh, with, uh, with being a pastor there. And it's like both of these programs are all expenses paid, including airfare and things like that. So let me play the voices going on in my head. Because there's the one voice that says, oh my gosh, Larry, what a wonderful opportunity this would be. Uh, How wonderful that they're recognizing you both as an author and as a minister capable of bringing some some light to this uh, beautiful residential library. Uh, you know, how fantastic this would be to get to see a little bit more of, uh, of Wales because the, the duties are pretty light. Most of it is free time either to, to write or explore. Well, that's one set of voices. And then there's the set of voices that say, why bother to reply to this even, right? It's like you never win things when you apply for them. And what were they even thinking? My guess is they probably send this out to everyone who stays there, right? It's not even a real thing. It's probably just something I should dismiss. They weren't singling me out for some kind of an award. I'm not that good of a writer. I'm not that good of a minister that they would want to pay me. This is the war, I think, that goes on in our heads more often than not. And I want to talk frankly about this idea of the voices that both attract you and repel you at the same time, right? And, and, and I don't think you, this is a psychosis. Uh, you know, some of you might be out there thinking, well, maybe medication is in order. But, uh, <laughs> but I think these are actually fairly typical kind of voices that we have. On the one hand, our higher wisdom is rooting for us, wanting to try new things, wanting to reach out and do something beyond our comfort zone, ready to, to reach for something that is perhaps more meaningful or that hasn't been explored before. And then there is the other voice, and and I'm going to use the term ego uh, in in a very simplistic way. And those of you who know more uh, about mental health probably might have problems with me just labeling it as the ego. But there is also then that set of voice that, that wants to keep you static, that wants to keep you safe, that wants to keep you in a little box that's well understood and well under control, and will do just about anything to keep you from realizing your dreams. 
Well, this month we have a treat. At least I think it will be a treat for us. We're using Matt Kahn's book, Everything is Here to Help You. And the first few chapters literally are about this war that goes on in our brain. And he even really talks about it in an unusual way because oftentimes we think if there's a war, the answer is to win the war, right? The answer here then would be to squash that nasty ego and move on with our higher wisdom self. Well, cleverly and truly no our ego is actually necessary now it may have come about from an older part of our brain in terms of evolution but it's the part that literally does keep us safe without our ego we would be standing on the max train and the train would be coming to us and we go wow that's really interesting it just gets closer and closer doesn't it <laughs> i mean it is the ego that engages that fight or flight mechanism when truly there is a danger when we really do need to call 911 because we're smelling smoke, it's the ego that does that. It's the ego that elevates the, the scanning of our environment for things that are unhealthy or unwise uh, and engages that rush of adrenaline that powers us to keep ourselves safe. The only trouble is, of course, we're not in, in general, an unsafe environment. And the ego basically treats all of our environments as though lurking around every corner and every possibility is some great danger that will cause us harm. And so we're constantly getting those little signals. Don't do that. Don't try that. Oh my goodness, do you realize what could happen? And, uh, and of course our body is primed with that flight uh, and fight mechanism so that often we're responding in ways as though there's a danger, as though there's trouble, as though we ought to back off of trying new things. When really, there's nothing much that would harm us. It's the, the same level of adrenaline, the same level of worry, the, the same level of anxiety, when, when really the possibilities are as likely to be good as negative. Well, um, Matt Kahn came up with some, an interesting acronym for this idea of war, but before we get there, I have a joke for you about war. So an elder veteran was asked to speak to a grade school class on Veterans Day. The gentleman spoke for several minutes about the dangers of war, but also the need for a strong military for defense. The class was then allowed to ask questions. One student raised his hand and asked, were you ever in a war? Well, yes, said the elder gentleman, too. I was in World War II and the Korean conflict. Then came a follow-up question from a girl in the front row. If you had to pick... Which one did you like best? <laughs> so back to this idea of the wars in our own head. I don't think that we've organized it very well. I don't think that we are recognizing that these conflicting voices really need to be stopped or whether they just need to be put through a filter of evaluation. First of all, the pneumatics for war, Mr. Kahn says it's worry, anticipation, and regret. These are the three primary things that will get us sidetracked. The three primary messages that our ego may be giving us that, that puts the skids on things, that puts the brakes on things. And I want to take each one of these uh, separately. First of all, the idea of worry. Well, normally that's future-oriented, if you think about it. I'm worried about something that might happen. 
So I've kind of scanned my environment, which the ego is always doing. I see something a little out of place or, or something that seems a bit strange. And worry will cause you to go, oh, well, if this continues, this horrible thing is going to happen. If my daughter stays out past 10 o'clock, on a school night, right? And then we start the worry mechanism. Will she be in the hospital? Will she be safe with her friends? Could she be in some strange place where alcohol or drugs could be involved, right? We, we simply extrapolate out in, with our worry about something that could happen. Now, as Khan will point out, this is useful information if we're going to do something about it. There may be a time when we scan the environment, something really dangerous is happening. We're on the phone, 911, uh, the neighbor's house is on fire. Oh my gosh, how useful that mechanism is. But like in my case, right? worried about what might happen. What if they don't like me in Wales? What if the writer's workshop I put on is a miserable failure, right? Is that kind of worry useful at all? Do you see the difference here? And our, our brain can't distinguish the difference. Our brain will, will engage in that self-criticism. Our brain will engage in that sense of worry whether it is something we're going to take action on or not. And so instead of acting upon it, we use it as information. We put in a filter so we notice when worry starts, and then we say, well, okay, is this something that I really need to worry about in terms of am I going to take action on it? And if I'm not going to take any action, does it really have a place in my life? Do I want to have those feelings of fight or flight? Or could I simply tell myself, oh, no need to worry about this one. The universe is going to take care of this one. Why wouldn't I be a fabulous presenter in Wales, right? Why would I want to go down the dark path of self-doubt? So that's the worry one. Simply install that little bit of a filter and ask yourself, is worry actually useful here? And if the answer is, yeah, I need to get out of the way of that train coming down the max line, well, good, we move. And in fact, you never really have to worry about the fight or flight mechanism. Yeah, by, by using some of these techniques to filter, you are always going to get out of literal harm's way. I mean, it's hardwired into us. So it's really more a matter of the false alarms, the things that we don't need to worry about. So if you're not going to do anything about it, Drop the worry. The second thing that he talks about in terms of the war, worry is the W, anticipation is the A. Anticipation means that based on what has happened in the past, I anticipate what my future is going to be like. Based on the fact that I've never won a contest yet, I know that if I enter this contest, and you see I'm even framing it as though it is a contest, right? Uh, because I've never won a contest before, there's no way they will choose me to be in Wales. I'm using my experience of the past to predict failure in the future. Now you might say, well, why failure, Larry? Because my ego wants to keep me safe. My ego wants to keep me within the parameters that it's used to. Being a writer-in-residence in Wales is not something that I'm used to yet. <laughs> and therefore, my ego is going to give me every possible reason 
why it's not going to go well. And one is, it's going to look back in my past and bring up all the things that didn't go well and project them into the future. The third thing, the R in war, is regret. And here is where we live in the past rather than the future. Here is where we replay and retool and reenact and redo every negative thing that ever happened to us. Have you ever had one of those times where something reminds you of something that's happened before and you go, oh, if only I would have said this to her. If only I would have made that choice. I remember when my stepfather was still alive, at one point he had the opportunity to buy a condo on Waterfront Park. Now, this was many years ago, but one of those beautiful multi-million dollar condos in Northwest Portland, right on the Willamette River, it was in receivership, and he could have bought it for $10,000. I got to tell you, I heard that story when I was a kid more times than I can possibly tell you. Huge regret on his past, and yet his life was great. There wasn't anything lacking in his life, but forever he would replay that choice that he made that wasn't a good one. If only I had, if only I'd said that, if only I'd made this decision, clearly living in the past. Now, I got to ask you, does this ever, ever, ever provide you with anything good in the present? See, I don't think so. Maybe we might think, well, it would help me if that opportunity should come up again. I'm not sure that I buy it. I think by and large, it's just beating ourselves up diminishing our power, uh, reducing our self-confidence at making decisions to begin with. So, so again, I think we can, that kind of information, we can just take it as information. Am, gonna, am I going to do something about this? Okay, that thought of that bad decision I made popped into my head again. Am, is it going to cause me to do something different? And if the answer is no, let's stop it. Let's not keep playing the tape. Let's not beat ourselves up. Now, I want to point out something important here. Both worry, anticipation, and regret, the three themes he's talking about here, have something very interesting in common. They're all taking you out of the present moment. So worry typically is worrying about the future. Anticipation is thinking the future is going to be like the past. And regret is replaying the past. Where is the only place in your life that you actually can make a choice, make a difference, enjoy yourself, praise life? It's in the present moment. I'll tell you how he suggests we go about this. First, we put the filter in. We notice when our thinking is tending towards worry, anticipation, or regret, we put that filter in. We say, okay, Now, am I actually going to do something about this thought, this feeling, this sensation coming to me? And if the answer is yes, we pick up the phone. Oh my gosh, the train overturned, right? This is important. Let's do something about this. If the answer is no, we bless that thought. We bless that emotion. We calm our heart that's racing down a little bit. And we say, okay, that's enough of that. And then we turn to the present moment. Let's let go of the past. Let's let go of worry about the future. 
What is before me right now to be enjoyed, to be praised, to be upheld? Because i got to tell you, in the present moment, generally things are pretty good. They may not be perfect, right? That's where our plans for the future come in. But I can almost guarantee that in the present moment, things will be more pleasant than what you're worried about, regretful for, or anticipating will go wrong. Almost by definition, those three things are going to be terrible. And so right in this present moment, when you derail those negative thoughts, immediately things are better. It's like the weight will come off of your shoulder. There will be a calmness that begins pervading your body. That fight or flight mechanism will be disengaged because you're looking around and you're not seeing the danger anymore, right? You're seeing your regular house with your regular friends and relationships. And in fact, if you have the presence of mind to, you can even engage in pleasant activity from that point, right? In the present moment, there's always something pleasant and beneficial that we can engage in. Maybe we call a friend and have a nice discussion. Maybe we plan a movie night or a date night. Maybe we get out one of our spiritual books and do some reading, right? In the present moment, you can engage yourself in such a way that you're uplifted. So these are your tools when worry, anticipation, and regret flash into your head. We acknowledge it. It often may be accompanied with that fight or flight urge. If that urge is real, if there's something that needs to be done, we bless it and make the phone call, get ourselves to safety, get in the car and drive away, you know, whatever it is we need to do, we bless it and we act on it. If there's no action to be done, as simply as we can, we shut the thoughts down. I don't need to worry about this. Worry will bring me no good. I don't need to be in that place of regret. I don't need to play that tape over and over again about that bad decision. We all make bad decisions from time to time. I'm going to move forward. And then as a tool for really centering and grounding ourselves, we look at the world around us filled with beauty, filled with friendship, filled, brimming with potential and possibility. And this is what we turn our attention to. We look around and we notice, oh my gosh, my life is actually in pretty darn good shape with wonderful possibilities ahead. That mistake I made, huh. That self-doubt, we all have them. Let's move on. We simply use the present moment to reorient ourselves, letting go of fears about what might happen, regrets of the past. The rest of this month, we're going to move forward with this idea of our universe being here always for us and to support us. Once some of our own negative self-talk is moved to the side, once we're able to listen more completely to our higher wisdom self, that, that self that really recognizes how powerful and beautiful and talented, loving and loved we are, that's our higher wisdom self. It can easily overwhelm those more uh, baser and human ideas 
if we allow them to, if we begin cultivating them. Now, I do have a little bit of homework for you. And this one, for those of you who have a smart watch or a smartphone, you might f- actually find that kind of fun. So I've been setting my phone for 10-minute intervals. And every 10 minutes, when I get the little buzz in my pocket, I simply ask myself, am I thinking in terms of worry, anticipation, and regret? I just want to know the extent of the issue, <laughs> right? <laughs> because if, if this is something that only happens once in a while, it's like no big deal. It's like, whew. But if I notice that, say, 25% of my time, when the watch goes off, I'm living in the past or living in the future, this is something I really want to pay attention to. And for, for those of you who might fall in that category, this would be a great month to actually work with one of our licensed practitioners. Once you know that this is a real issue for you, oh my gosh, I spend 10, 20, 30% of my time worried about things that might happen or dwelling in the past. We absolutely are here to help you with that kind of an issue. It's quite doable, and we will have exercises throughout this month and, uh, and personal attention that we can give you in that area. So, so homework, it, it, it's simple, but it does require a little bit of a commitment. And, and of course, you don't need to have a smartwatch. You simply could have some kind of a reminder system that throughout the day on a regular basis, okay, what was I thinking? Am I thinking about what's going on right before me? Or am I worried about what's going to happen? Or am I replaying events from the past? You know, what percentage of my time am I having a sort of -of out-of-body experience uh, and a negative one? Okay, so that's your homework for this week. Uh, More to be revealed next week. I want to close today with a, a quote from this excellent book and, of course, a prayer. So Matt Kahn says, Instead of spending time hiding under a spiritual microscope of self-judgment and inner criticism, our soul's journey is centered in cultivating higher vibrations. This occurs by transforming the way we respond to ourselves and to others. In doing so, we soften the edges of ego to help it return to its true source. Again, this is not a matter of casting the ego away. We're not here to win the war but rather realizing the source that ego is meant to find is the spark of divinity within you. Once inspired, moment by moment, the inner war is ended. And in the most authentic, compassionate, and heart-centered way. Let us pray. There is one thing in this world Everything that is seen, everything that is unseen, truly all there is, is spirit. And what I know about spirit is it is the highest container of love. Love literally shows us the way, buoys us up, provides the resources we need always. This this is our infinite universe of good. And I know that's true for me. I know that when I look beyond uh, some of my ego's worries and anxieties, when I leave behind regrets and anticipations, I know that what is revealed is that limitless source of good. It is my ability to make great choices and to to plan for the future in ever-expanding and evolutionary ways. It is my ability to see the potential and seize the day. 
And as it is true for me, I know without question that it is true for everyone. Each of us has that ability to simply evaluate the information that our ego brings to us and decide whether it's worthy of our action or not. And when not, we just bless it and move on. We recognize that truly the universe is here to support us always in our dreams, in our aspirations, in the potential that we have within each one of us. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I, I understand that it is a great blessing to be in this world and to recognize that higher power always. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.